Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you for joining us. This is going to be a real life stories edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast, and this is episode number 93. We are getting so close to episode number 100, and like I said before, we are going to have a series of real life stories that are just going to be powerful. They are connected to a conference called No Price Take Conference, which is, we're going to talk about that in conjunction with this real life story. But before we dive in, I just want to say thank you for listening. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. I don't always mention this, but if you look on the Anchor podcast, you see this little button called the Support This Podcast. You can smash that and you can support this podcast. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, wherever. Just like, share, and subscribe. So let's dive into it. We actually have two people, two guests with us today. The first is, first is author, founder, speaker, of the No Price Tag Conference, Pastor Rachel Johnson and Jessica Neely, who's going to be speaking there. So, Pastor Rachel, welcome to the Grace One Day Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. We got Jessica with us here today. Part of the reason that we have her is because she has an awesome, powerful story to share with us, but also she's going to be speaking at a conference that you're hosting and that you founded called the No Price Tag Conference. Touch on that for us real quickly before we get into Jessica's story. So the No Price Tag Conference is a purity conference that will be happening August 15th to the 17th right here at Grace Point Assembly of God in Carthage. It is interdenominational. We have usually about 30 churches and hopefully this year a couple hundred girls and a couple hundred, well, we'll see how many boys. Hundred or so boys we're hoping to have. And it's all focusing on purity and finding your identity in Christ because Jesus is everything. That's who you should put your trust in, not in all the things of this world. Amen. So it's about just raising up young people with a passion and purity for Jesus, right? Yes. And so you have several speakers that are going to be sharing their stories. Uh, and so it's just going to be a powerful three-day conference. It's absolutely free. So if you're in the Southern Missouri area, August 15th, 16th, and 17th, and also you can check it out on the social media as well, right? There's going to be no, uh, Facebook. We'll be, have live stuff going on. So people who might not be in the area can check it out on the social. Yes. They can go to nopricetagconference.com, and they can also go to Facebook, No Price Tag Conference page, and follow right there, both in those places. All right, so let's dive into the story. Here she is. I don't know how to put her bio together in one sentence, but we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out through this real-life story. Jessica Joy, welcome to the Grace One Daily Podcast. Thank you for having me. That's uh, Kelly Stevens' fan. Do you know him? No. Oh, anyway, well, he, she's giving you a shout-out. Go, Kelly. All right, Je- Jessica Joy, uh, you are going to be speaking at the No Price Tag Conference, and you have a powerful story, story of growing up in the church, walking away from not just church, God, and all those kind of things, stepping to some crazy lifestyles, getting out of it, and now being a flag bearer for freedom, justice, and all kinds of good stuff. So give us your quick by where you're at right now, and then we're going to dive into the story. Well, literally... Uh- Literally, I'm in, you don't say cartilage, Missouri. <laughs> I'm in Carthage, Missouri. That's and, what people from Arkansas yeah. call it, maybe. What? Uh-oh. They might call it that, but. <laughs> oh, no. So, no, I am so excited to be in Missouri. I uh, work in legislation here in this state and 36 others, taking on the tech industry for distributing a harmful product to minors. And I'm excited to be in Missouri working on this legislation and just getting getting the play, getting the state riled up for this incredible conversation conferences coming in. Awesome. Well, let's talk about your story. How did you, where, when did you grow up? Where, who are you? Who is Jessica Joy? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, born and raised in Colorado, the, um, the beautiful state that so many people are familiar with. I was born and raised in Colorado and 
was raised playing basketball. I was five foot eight by third grade. Everybody on the kindergarten uh, playground would come up to me thinking I'm the teacher. And I'm like, get away from me, kid. <laughs> so in my DNA, I was born tall. I was born never to fit in, to just fade into the background. So the DNA that God created me to be, um, I have latched on. I have seized the moment of what I was born to do and the call of God that's on my life that um, is is irrevocable. You cannot run from the call of God upon your life. And if you do, I guarantee you, money back guarantee you are going to be miserable. So I was born and raised in an, um, an awesome Christian church home, uh, did 12 years of classical piano and went to private school. I was, as you would say, beautifully sheltered, but you know, oh, once a year, let's go feed the homeless population. And so, I mean, I was raised, I was raised right. I, my parents did everything that a good Christian parent is supposed to do. So when um, it was back in the 90s, way back in the day, it was really cool <laughs> to save yourself for marriage. And being a dork by default, I latched onto that movement. I love the movement. I loved saving myself for marriage because <laughs> us dorks were like, yes, we have a movement for ourselves. Did you have a ring, the ceremony? I had the ceremony and <laughs> cried and I had the ring and everything. Um, so I, I was huge into purity and true love weights and did a spinoff uh, while I was in high school of the American Cancer Society. I was always starting something. Um, on the day that I graduated, I walked down that aisle and um, uh, Mercy Ships had just fallen through. So I had no idea what I was actually going to do after I graduated. And they read off, Jessica Neely is going to run Focus on the Family when Dr. James Dobson dies. And I had no idea that that was a self a fulfilling prophecy that now I'm in uh, family policy for um, the nation. Uh, so I from from uh, from there, I went to this little program called Master's Commission at Seminary on Steroids and then full-time ministry at the age of 19 in Northeast Denver, then onto a church plant in uh, Estes Park, Colorado, and once again, love talking about purity. And instead of so much having a relationship with God, I think I had a relationship with purity. I didn't, um, I, I sought out miracles, signs, and wonders, and uh, more fasting, more praying, more doing, and everything was, was, was works, 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 more works and works. And when tragedy struck my life at the age of 23, I didn't, I didn't know how to handle that. So um, at the age of 23, I was randomly and violently raped on Easter Sunday of all Sundays. Wow. Um, and I went down the checklist that many girls go down. I was like, I wasn't wearing a short skirt. I wasn't talking to any boys. I'm not flirting with anybody. I'm fat. People, Fat people don't get raped. What am I doing getting raped? And girls in ministry can't be raped. And I did not know anything about uh, sexually based trauma, PTSD. Um, my hair started falling out. I was urinating all over myself. I... Uh, uh, resigned my credentials with my denomination immediately because once again, raped girls can't be in ministry. You did something wrong. Um, spiraled from there into the porn industry. In 2013, I was looking at 30 years in federal prison for sex trafficking. I went to the nation's top faith-based sex trafficking recovery with a 95% success rate of girls never returning back to a life of exploitation. Um, then went on the road as a sex trafficking speaker where I'm, uh, connected back up with Miss Rachel Johnson and started talking <laughs> to young ladies about being Insta famous and social media and don't fall for the lie. All my friends are dead. I couldn't survive female liberation. And in 20, the 
at the end of 2016, um, I, I left full-time speaking for full-time legislation, not knowing anything about what I was doing. And now 36 states are proactively are on the way of protecting kids from sexually based content, which is being distributed to minors on a daily basis. Wow. So you just unloaded on us there, like Boom. the whole thing Boom. in just a couple minutes. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, someone who's probably a Christian uh, who would listen to this or just hear that initial story is going to be like, how, how, does, how does that happen? Like, how do you go from loving Jesus to porn to be, to not just like watching porn or being active in porn and those kind of things. But let's dial it all the way back for just a second, kind of going up into your childhood. You talked about being in a Christian home, in a positive Christian home. Um, but yeah, there was an interesting dynamic for you is you were not just a Christian kid, but you were a pastor's kid. What was that? Do you have good or bad experiences from that? I know that being a pastor, I hear different stories or kids walking through that journey of life. I've never had to do that. I got saved as a senior in high school, so didn't have a pastor as a dad or anything like that. What was that like for you as a, as a Christian kid, not only a Christian kid, but a Christian pastor's kid? That is an incredibly awesome question that I could fill in the blanks with now that I've gone through recovery, because I thought everything went back to... Well, me at 23, can we just start there at that one trauma? And I don't know if anyone listening knows anything about recovery, but they do crawl back into those mommy and daddy roots. And I was like, no, 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 no. I came from a perfect family. We don't need to touch on that because they did everything right. These were my choices. Don't worry about my parents. They're good to go. Well, that was as anyone in recovery and counseling knows that we had to go back to um, my perception of the God of my understanding of my childhood was, well, daddy does, therefore he is loved. And so if I do, then I am loved. See, dad gets love because he serves people. And if I serve people, I will get love. So, and then I'll also get haters, but I shouldn't focus on those because daddy always has haters and I'm going to have haters too. Mm -hmm. So I thought that... Um, no, I, and, and I'm sure that my father had his secret time with God at the office. And my mom had her devotion time in the morning before we got out of bed. So I knew that. The, and then before, before we got on the school bus, we had devotions. But there was not like, let's sit and listen to God. What, is, what do you feel like God is saying to you right now? Um, let's learn to, and just sit for like five minutes. Let even, let's learn to even sit for one minute. So the God of my understanding at that time and going on into my teen years was, if I do, then God will love me. And it was the Martha that brought mm -hmm. me to my knees when I was in recovery. I felt, um, first of all, I thought I was too old to recover. I don't know if anybody listening uh, <laughs> relates to that. But I was like, I don't have time to recover. I have to make baby. I have to get married. I have to make babies. I have to do, 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 do. Nobody got, ain't, nobody got time to heal, said everybody in the ministry. <laughs> so, um, so, but there was a one day on the cornfield in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, where we were the only people at that Walmart 
not wearing camouflage like we were in a new culture and i was like god nobody knows where kentucky is i don't even know where kentucky is and um i was on this cornfield because you're required to do three hours of exercise i'm like well i'll just run around the cornfield and i saw this airplane going over my head and i was like oh my goodness i like stopped and i looked at that airplane and i was like i need to be going somewhere i need to be doing something i need people need to get saved today people need to be doing things i'm i'm like i what am i doing wasting my time in kentucky and God, at that moment, very important part of my life, of, <laughs> of my recovery story. I love this part. This is in rehab. This is in um, this is in um, sex trafficking recovery rehabilitation. To you, the first four months are on trauma based recovery, then job readiness, and then you transition back into reality. So during this time on the cornfield, I look up and I'm like, God, I'm supposed to be going somewhere. And God is like, I need you exactly where you are right now. I need you healing in order to do what I've called you to do you must be healing do you know how much I love you healing and at that moment I ran not like to include it in my exercise hours but I ran back to the farm it was four o'clock and I was going to call my parents and I started crying on the phone and I said mom and dad do you know what nobody got saved today I walked no one across (laughs) the street today I said dad I was like choking up, like crying like a two-year-old. I was like, Dad, I did nothing today, but I just I just healed. Did you know that God loves me healing? Like I'm not doing anything but healing. <laughs> and that was such That's a powerful. pivotal moment that has sustained me. Um, as you heard last night, Pastor Jeremiah, that has sustained me delivering pizza. God, they don't know that I'm worth more than a dollar. Do they know that I'm worth more than a dollar? <laughs> and he's like, you got four minutes to pull over. And we're going to go over your identity in Christ because it's never you. The world cannot take from you what they never gave you. They never gave you a price tag. Mm -hmm. They never gave you those shoes from the Dollar Tree to Versace. The world cannot take from you what they never gave from you. And so that was that was definitely a pivotal moment of my healing. And um, to go back to your question of what was my perception of God being raised in a preacher's home was even though it was mere to me, and I, I don't know because I'm not a parent, you never know what your kid's going to grasp onto. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I grasped onto, with my parents doing, they are loved. Therefore, do... And you are loved. But I found that in the resting, in the healing, in the being, God still. Was Jesus real to you as a, as a kid, as a teenager? Was Jesus real or was it religion or was it oh, works this- religion? This is interesting. Um, um, I was, I, I don't know the demographic of which you reach out to, but I was uh, spirit filled at the age of th- uh, third grade. Okay. And um, I, uh, being spirit filled, I immediately started having dreams. I had a dream that Princess Diana died before she died. And I told my mom, Princess Diana dies in a tunnel. And then there was other things taken on in, in the church. And I was like, mom and dad, this is going on. This is going on. I saw this in a dream. And so my parents were like, Oh, Houston, this woman is so full of God. It's in, yeah. So, but I, as you can see how the enemy perverts things and adulterates things is that I took that, oh, the miracle signs and wonders as like, okay, God does talk to me, but I was chasing those moments and not, yeah. and, and then when I went into ministry, I was chasing the word for the people and not the word for myself. Mm. That's good. Yep. Fell down that Yeah, track. so it sounds like a lot of it, a lot of 
via from your and I understand this. I understand this being a pastor, the works portion, the position that you're in, uh, that you're doing, 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 and and constantly giving of yourself. And I even joked with my church on Sunday. I went to a service on Sunday night because we didn't have Sunday night service. And I joked with them that morning. I said, I got to go to another church because you y'all aren't give, aren't feeding me. I just don't feel fed right now. But I mean, it is hard for a pastor because you are giving, giving, doing, doing, doing. And sometimes you forget to hit the pause button and just be fed, just be in God's presence. And it sounds like, you know, you could see some of that in your own life, but yet in the life of your father as well. I would absolutely to take that time to where you are not under a microscope of how fed is she? Does she fall out underneath this, this, the spirit of God? And is she really like, you feel like all eyes, if you take some time for you. So when is that time that you have for you? And like, I have a conference coming up in August where I am going to go as a nobody and I'm absolutely positively excited to go as a nobody. I love going to conferences now as nobody, and there is, there's my happy moment. I love going to churches every single week. I get to go to churches all over the nation every Sunday in a new church, and I get to go as a nobody, mm-hmm. and it <laughs> is... I mean, I have my God in the morning and on my drive, I go over who I am in Christ, but man, to, be, to, be, to walk into a church and be nobody... I can't tell you how awesome that is. Yeah. So you as a kid, your struggle and what I was trying to get at, because it seems like there's always like an inner struggle or something that we're wrestling with, even from a young age. So you didn't have the experience like some kids in Christianity, like God, God was never real. I didn't really encounter him. Oh yeah, I you, you had all that stuff. So mm-hmm. Jesus was real to you. But you did kind of bring up this struggle of the, the mini shack struggle, I might call it, where you're tall and big and <laughs> right. You're like the white girl mini shack, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of referencing the, the, the fingers never talk to the eyes. So how, I was always how was the that bench. then growing up in terms of obviously no prize take conference? We're going to be ministering to teenage girls and stuff like that. Was that was that the struggle for you as a teenager? Was that was that hard? Absolutely. Um, my mom was always on a diet, so I felt like maybe I need to be on a diet. And then I was uh, back in the eighties. Uh, heaven forbid, body positivity exists back then. <laughs> but they would weigh you in front of your class, and so I'm five foot eight. They weighed me at one hundred and twenty, and I'm like everybody else is fifty pounds, and I'm like, yeah, they're going one hundred and twenty, and I'm like kilograms, kilograms, folks, kilograms. They're like, don't get, don't. We're we're in the European system over here and so I struggled with being bigger and taller um, but I, I all I was wearing like the dork shirts of reborn so I was a dork I kind of embraced dorkism I never dated um, nobody oh this is interesting nobody ever asked like are you going to the homecoming are you going to this Sadie Hodkins so nobody asked who are you dating so I never knew I was lacking that was one part that I super appreciate from my youth is that I didn't nobody questioned if I was dating so I didn't think like well am I lacking something so my parents one thing that was really beautiful is they let me try flute I did last year very well and they let me try piano basketball volleyball I was allowed to be and I remember from the last teen conference um, I, th- I don't know if you were next to me but a mom was bringing her daughter next up to ask me the question about dating and I was like oh my goodness you get six years to do every <laughs> single thing you ever wanted to try and you don't have to ask if somebody likes it or if they don't like it you can see absolutely what you want to do and what you want to be and what what you're good at and what you're not good at and i knew this from recovery because they have to strip you down from your trauma and then they reintroduce your personality tests and it's like we're 12 years old again i'm like did you know i'm a melancholy compulsive like i will lead a movement whether people will follow me or not like i'll march off that cliff and it's like i got 
got to discover myself like any other 12 year old. We got to work on arts and crafts and inquine therapy. And, and we got to, we, every day we made fun of the craft lady, but then we all graduated with online stores. <laughs> and it was like, we, we, I fully now comprehend once again the teenage experience to where I I had the privilege, the honor to develop me. I didn't have to wake up and think about paying a bill or insurances due and fill up the gas tank. I got to grow me at the age of 31 and thank <laughs> God that I had that experience. How adults, you don't get that experience. So don't put that pressure on your kids to like you need to be dating. Absolutely not. Way to go for that Christian codependency at a young age. So I enjoy the, since I got to relive my teenage years, so to speak, at the age of 31, I am so honored to talk to teenagers because I can relate. Like, I just got to go through what you did. And I was protected and I didn't ask, do I get a date this week? Do I get a date this week? Do I get to drive the car this week? Mm -hmm. Do I get to drive the car this week? I got to be me, discover me, my personality, and focus on my strengths and not my weaknesses. We form my job readiness plan over my strengths and not my weaknesses and be good and do do that one thing this one thing i do and knowing who you are in the body of christ and knowing who you and then you discover who other people are in the body of christ and their giftings different than you and just appreciating people for where they are and what they're going through in their journey so i i love the fact i get to be a part of a teen conference yeah so in high school you don't smoke weed you don't have sex you don't have boyfriends you don't nerd it out yeah Queen of nerds. Yeah. Oh, I do remember so, taking a swig of beer and a drag of a Marlboro red cigarette, which like that is the killer. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, if I have to do this to fit in, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Said the girl who went to Hollywood. All right. So, so you accomplished the no price tag challenge so far up to this point. You've, you, you've not had sex. You've not engaged in all these stuff. And so then high school, what, what happens after high school? You graduate, you hop in. Right into ministry, or you did? I go immediately. I that summer I work at this little place called Camp Cedar Edge. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting. I'm familiar with it. (laughs) (laughs) Dramatic silence. Um, I worked at Camp Cedar Edge, and then went straight uh, into a little program called Master's Commission in Denver that was at Power Invasion Ministries. And so this was I was a Christian before the internet really took off, and so we had one book of Tommy Tenney. And that one book, God everybody passes. Yes, yeah, okay. everybody passes around one book, and we had one Strong's Concordance, and and so I so now going through the Christian experience for the second time, there's so much on YouTube, and I'm like, Mom and Dad, did you know? Did you know this is on YouTube? And oh my goodness, like I'm not used to Bible apps, and and um the, the latest thing is like um instead of the red print, it's like the blue, right, the blue letter Bible. Yeah, the blue letter Bible, and I just found that out like two weeks ago. So if anybody hangs around me. They're going to be like, I really am hanging out with a new Christian. I am totally a new Christian. <laughs> That's how we should all be. And we should all stay like that. Because I love the Blue, Blue Letter Bible too. And all these fun things you discover, you're like, hey, it never ends. It's always fun. Whee! It's fun learning in Christ. <laughs> yes. That's cool. All right. Well, here's where I'm going because I'm the host, you know, the Grace Wendy podcast. You point it. So we're, <laughs> here's what I'm getting at is that you, you haven't done anything bad. And what I feel like, what I want to caution us as fo- Jesus followers is sometimes we can be tracking great. Right, we're living the life. We're doing the stuff. We're doing all. We're checking all the boxes. Life is good, and we're, I'm never going to fall. I'm never going right. to. I'll never spiral into. I mean, 18 year old Jessica. Right, we're if we could time warp, like you know, Marvel, uh, multiverse, etc., all that kind of stuff. I mean, if you're 16 year old Jessica, 18 year old Jessica, I mean, you could time warp back 
to that, you know, um, and, and you, and you met her and you're like 16 year old Jessica, you're going to be a prostitute someday. You would have never have guessed that Not at all. Right. Not at all. <laughs> I think that with the conference, the word that just came to my mind is adulting that I think that we can be raised in church, but I wasn't prepared to spiritually go adulting and adulting is where your parents don't bail you out. But, um, uh, adulting, I wasn't spiritually prepared to let Jesus bail me out and spiritually like I need, I didn't know my soul reliance and lifeline had to be on God. I didn't know that the tragedy that I relived, um, through prostitution, making men pay, making men pay, making men pay. I relived my tragedy and my trauma as many girls who are stuck in Hooters or the adult entertainment industry or, or um, stripping is they are literally there to make men pay. Like nobody talks about this. I'm going to tell you what's going on in their head. They are trying to make men pay while they're smiling and winking at you. They're like, I'm going to make you pay for what you took from me at the age of five or 10 or whatever. I'm wow. making you pay. So women are brought up in the American culture now that the second they turn age 18, we are going to turn on men and we are finally going to make men pay. But when you, there's a, there's a quote that whenever you engage in revenge, you might as well dig two graves <laughs> right. because right. it was the end of me. And um, I wasn't spiritually prepared for there's going to be tragedies. There's going to be traumas. And it's really weird because as a preacher's family, we had people in the church die. We had um, people in the church leave. We had church splits. Um, as a superintendent's daughter, I saw my dad dismiss 16 pastors. Wow. Sexual immorality was the majority of them. So I had seen tragedies, but I guess I never applied them to my life. Where was that separation of like, well, that's how these pastors are dealing with tragedy. How will you deal with tragedy? That's the preacher's wife on the front row. Her husband just <laughs> um, stepped out and he has to go now deliver pizza. How are they dealing with, stra with tragedy? How will you deal with tragedy? Well, I'm doing everything right. I'm sure that preacher's wife was doing everything right. right. That you can do everything right. But are we equipping our children that when tragedy comes, not if, right. and we when? do, yeah, when it comes, and that what it's not always do? your sin. We are spiritual right. beings having a human experience and hurt people, hurt people. It's a guaranteed. It's, a, it's realizing that this is not God doing it to you. When I listen to Christians, oh my gosh, I almost walked out of a church the other day. Because <laughs> there was like, when God does this to you, and I was like, are we really saying this from the pulpit? And then I was like, five minutes later, he says it when God does this to you again. And he was giving God the attributes of one that kills, steals and destroys. And when we first came into recovery, there was this book with the nineties cover on it with K Arthur, Lord heal my hurts. And I was like, this is a stupid book. My mom probably listened to about 20 years ago. And it was the attributes of God, because how can you give me the book of boundaries? How can you give me the book of, of um, code, Christian codependency? How can you give me these books? If I don't have a, true understanding of my heavenly father how can i understand uh, pastor rachel if i don't understand my father what makes him laugh what makes him cry what makes him sad it was like i had to go back to the broken filter of the father of my understanding the god of my understanding and no matter what my my earthly dad might my earthly dad might forsake me mm -hmm. i had to cling <laughs> so hard onto my heavenly father and the redefining of who he is at the age of 31 so i think the two things that i really focus on in myself is who is my heavenly father and then who i am in christ yeah and i mean i'm an old goat almost 40 <laughs> years old but those Ooh, two concepts i just turned 40 
I miss that, yeah. and I'm going to yeah. miss your hundredth episode. Yeah, all we can go to major, Buffalo Wild Wings for lunch. We'll, all these we'll make major, up work. all these major points <laughs> in your life. So yeah, who who God is, and who who am I in in Christ? And if I can instill that into these girls, that tragedies are going to come. Yeah. We do live in a fallen world. Don't you dare blame that on God. He does yeah. not come to kill, steal, and destroy. But when hurt people hurt people, and you happen to be that person, this is the attributes of God. And don't you get it confused. You need to run to your Father and nothing else. God never came to kill you steal you or nor destroy you right. he is the abba father and he will reveal himself if you seek him amen so i'm kind of i mean we're kind of going through it pretty fast the timeline but then you're in ministry you graduate you're in ministry you went to camp cedar edge you went to master's commission you're serving in ministry and we get up kind of now moving closer or we get to that that point of rape because again uh, I, I know. I, I mean, I think that when I hear your story and I, I imagine I'm not near as spiritual as all the spiritual people in my church, even though I'm the pastor, but like I, 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 you probably have to get this question all the time. How do you go from being a, a pastor in the ministry, a credentialed minister to this lifestyle? I mean, so you have that moment of rape and obviously that seems to be the defining moment of your life. Uh, and was that a day? Was it a week? Was it a month? I mean, what was that process from that moment of rape to then now engaging in some of those lifestyles or activities, right? Well, Absolutely. Um, I think this is a very important thing to hit on um, because when I talk and I keep bringing up the miracle signs and wonders, you can- Because usually nothing ever happens just like no. that. Right. No, at this time when I'm in Estes Park, I'd went from, um, I was full-time ministry at the age of 19 and I had a $40,000 salary because they didn't understand that I was 19 and not a graduate from college. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. And so I went from having all my needs met to this, um, to this church that was like miracle signs and wonders, fast more, pray more. So I'm using a bottle of palm olive to wash my hair, wash my clothes. I'm looking at my car change and going, do I wash my clothes or do I put it in my gas? tank and so I'm taking baths with my clothes and my dishes and I can't afford heat in Estes Park Colorado so I'm sleeping in my sweatpants and in my in layers of socks <laughs> and so I'm like look what I'm doing for you God and then it's a church plant and he's like I want people praying around uh, 24 hours at the church and so I'm like falling asleep and the CD's skipping and I'm like look at what I'm doing for you God and so at the time that I am raped and I fall from the ministry at that time. I am so like, if that is how you treat your favorite soldier, I'm done. I'm done. Is that how you treat me? And so, um, I resigned quickly. My relationship with God was almost zilch at the time that I was raped anyway, just because I was so legalistic. And I was like, where are you? I read over my journal entries and I seriously was wondering where is God in all of this? Mm -hmm. So I was like, he forsook me. And so I'm done. And did the church know? Did people know? Oh, did yeah. you did you run to them? And their response in that time frame was what? Okay, so immediately after the rape, um, I uh, that that morning I went to my neighbor and I told her what happened. And I went to the doctor, um, and I don't think it was a rape kit, but it was like an STD, whatever. And that day, that boy went to the Stanley Hotel where I was working and to get a job. And I went into HR and I was like, if he gets a job here, I quit. I have no idea what to do. And so somebody's saying you need to get a restraining order so i was i went to the church um my youth group 
uh, leader and I was like can I stay at your house tonight and once and the youth kids are there and I'm like I don't know how to I don't know what to say I brought this on myself um, fat girls don't get raped I wasn't wearing a short skirt what do you tell your teenagers right. when that when you're going through that and so um, so I then my then my dad I told my dad and my dad came and um, they got me out of Estes Park and put me into one session of counseling. And um, I was from the mindset of, well, if you can't cast it out in an uh, altar call, and if you yeah. can't heal it in a 45-minute counseling session, <laughs> right. then the problem is you. And mm-hmm. so that is when I died and I go, went deeper into shame, which I love. I, I, I'm like, shame and shame... Shame and oh, what the enemy uses against us. Like that is what I was like, well, I'm going to be queen of shame. Let's go get a crown for this one. So that was <laughs> that's my kind of my, that's kind of my beef with the church right now a little bit. I throw myself under the bus along with that is that as we're trying to help broken people walk through life, mistakes, choices, maybe some of it they did or didn't do, etc. that it's just kind of like, read your Bible and pray fast. Oh, you know, say a prayer at the altar. You know what I'm saying? Rather than like, Okay, we got to like walk through life with each other. We have to like help each other follow Jesus. It's not always just like, you know, read your Bible and pray. It's a little bit deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, no, that was the greatest. <laughs> Go was- to church, read your Bible and pray. And why, why do you need anything beyond that? Absolutely. So, no, I, I need equi- <laughs> equipment. And, um, but fortunately, I found that on my great exit out. But people need equipment, and girl, young girls do need to know that the New Testament's full of when you choose this life, this is what will happen, and not just the persecution. If you're playing your cards right, you're getting persecuted. But the tragedies are going to happen, and we are spiritual beings having a human experience. This world is not our own. This is a fallen world. It doesn't belong to God. And how, like, you've got to claim your territory. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting as you were, uh, you know, in this defining moment being raped, uh, that the enemy loves to do what, what I heard you say is that. It was in that moment, then all of a sudden you began to question everything that God had done in your life leading up to this point. And isn't that just just a pra- very practical tactic that the enemy has done since, what is it, Genesis chapter 2? Did God really say? Yeah. Or how is uh, you know, God blessing my parents? Because yeah. at this time my parents were going full-time in missions. How can God bless my parents and why isn't he blessing me? Why is the cloud on my parents and not on me? And I'm sure many Christians struggle with this <laughs> of like, where's the God cloud in my life? I'm yeah. doing everything right. I'm abiding by all the rules. And so there, there is a lot of disconnect. And I love the fact that we're in a culture. Like, I hope people are, the small groups that people are talking about these issues more often. Mm-hmm. So, so we, I mean, we don't hit the explicit button on this podcast, so we don't necessarily need to dive into, dive into the details of then getting into uh, what what was first was it prostitution was it porn which which one of those was first I mean oh kind of dabbled in a little bit of yes and this pro- all of it but this process because of course I've heard the entry level for many girls since I was at this so grateful I had to, um, sex trafficking recovery with girls who we all it's all level at the cross and we all fell in at kind of different entry points mm-hmm. but we were all as they would say a vulnerable people group um so i 
immediately started going to um, the nightclubs in Colorado Springs with my childhood friend who was burnt by, oh, this is this denominational Bible college made me stay in my room when I had a sick day. And so she fed off like, oh, finally, Jessica's going off her rails. So let's go to the nightclubs. And then (laughs) I was, um, oh, my goodness, I was sleeping with two or three people a night. I was insanely out of control. I had lost a lot of weight and um, I was out of control. And there was um, a there was a guy that um, I was seeing more than once. Nothing serious, of course. And I come to his place after my work and there's another girl there. And I was like, well, you could have just invited me. So I was like, OK, if we're really no commitment, of course, here's Jessica Neely. She has to take the goal on this one. I go pick up a liberal magazine that has tons of prostitution ads. I call them up. I start working from with one prostitute or with one madam to another madam. Uh, start off with fetishes because my childhood friend is a cop and has me scared to death. So I go from fetishes. Uh, this is all within about three months time. I go from fetishes to prostitution to a swingers party where this is back way long ago when people paid for pornography. This guy is like, <laughs> I had this porn site this girl flaked out do you want to take it over and so i started um producing pornography immediately and that was that was a whole nother producing pornography was a whole nother level started traveling the u.s as an amateur and then went into the uh, hollywood pornography industry in 2008 right after the stock market crashed wow so So i'm sure the nice cute little christian question here is Where's Jesus at? How could you be doing this? Did did you feel con- con- convicted, or you know, what wh- wh- where was Jesus in the midst of all that? Did you have conviction? Did you have emptiness? Did you have um, angst against God? All of it, some of it. Oh, it was okay. So it was. Um, I definitely thought that God hated me, and why? Why is He angry at me? And I didn't remember the name of my rapist. I didn't remember. The issue name- wasn't what. Issue wasn't that you didn't want God, just to clarify. Not that you didn't want God. You thought he's angry. he didn't want you. Yeah, that he's kicked me off his team. So I'm going to go out, be the major player for the other team. And so, which I hear now from people with church hurt. And I was like, ain't nobody got time for that, folks. <laughs> I'm like, buckle up, let's go. But, um, but no, I felt like God had totally forsaken me. And the cloud was off of me. He was blessing everybody else. But it quickly spun out to make men pay. And I just remember the phone going across the table and i was like crying on the like crying on the table like when have they paid enough they're calling for tomorrow the phone will never stop ringing when have men paid enough and then it was constantly like make men pay make men pay and um that was what motivated me is that I wasn't addicted to, I know there's a documentary out of me and they edited it to say that I was into drugs and alcohol. No, I I was, I prided myself on no drugs. I tried them just for a couple of times and I was like, out. but my, my drug of choice was money. And, um, what was crazy is that, I knew the money was cursed. Everything I vested, invested my money into, it would crash. So, so my, (laughs) my money and my drug of choice, my drug of choice was money and everything I touched turned to dust and I knew it. So, Mm. um, but that was my view of God. Not so much God, where are you? But why'd you, you kick me off your team? Okay. I get it. But when I ran a porn site, I saw the busiest day of the week. Okay. Wow. And then whenever I put myself out there as uh, the the porn, uh, the pastor porn, porn girl, then I attracted all the hurt church people. Wow. And wow. then when I was in Hollywood, I had a PR publicist and he marketed me as the porn preacher. And then I was like, please stop 
marketing me that because of what I was drawing was all the hurt church people. And I was like, I don't want to hear their stories. Wow. Please market wow. me as something else. Well, I know we're going to hear the whole, uh, a, lot, a lot of your story at the No Price Day Conference, but we have people all over the place listening to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. So that's what we wanted to get you on here and just, uh, man, you're sharing some really, really powerful thoughts. I want to do two and then we're going to close. And this is my, this is the one that I've really thought about and I don't want you guys to punch me or like this. I think you might disagree with this comment. You and my wife, right? Pastor Rachel. Uh, we talk about the issue of pornography and here's what I feel like as a guy uh, from the message from women and girls. It's like the whole problem with our culture and our society is guys and porn. And if we would just get rid of porn, it would just wipe away all the problems. And I really feel like it's deeper than that. And I feel like we are, if we just go to men and like porn, 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 you and your porn, porn, porn. I feel like that is like deeply missing uh, the issue in the hearts of men. Because, uh, you know, when I wasn't saved, I looked at porn, watched porn, etc. But that wasn't the issue, you know, the, and, and it just sounds like you just said that the issue for you was not porn or doing porn. The issue was brokenness. The issue was identity. The issue was disconnect from the father. The issue Absolutely. was disconnect in relationship with the father. So what I'm just trying to say is as a, as a call out to two guys, two girls or to people uh, to ministries that is like, and for myself, as I minister to guys to realize that maybe this individual might be connected to or addicted to porn, but is that the issue? And is that, is that, and is it deeper than that? And if I just beat guys over the head, like porn, 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 porn. So give me your take on that. Is that a bad take? Is that, is that like, do I need to be rebuked for that? Walk well, me through that. Well, I want to say that our guy, <laughs> our guy speaker, Chad Shepard, I mean, he, I'm not saying you guys say that. You know no, what I'm saying? I'm, I feel like a little bit overall message sometimes when we're talking about this issue. Okay, so our guy speaker, Chad Shepard, so he was addicted to porn for 11 years, and he says now that he's mentoring other young men, right, he's saying it's all about Christ. He's like, the more the closer I am to God, the more I don't want to do that, and the more I find, again, just like women find their value in Christ, he says, the more I find my value in Christ, I don't find my value in that and in women. So yes, exactly what you're saying is exactly true. It is a heart issue. It is deeper than porn, but it manifests itself in porn. Just like other people, it manifests itself in homosexuality because they've been molested. Same thing with the girls that Jessica talks about. Most of them have been molested. Yes, it's always a bigger issue, but it manifests itself in wanting to be pretty and wanting to be a prostitute, wanting to be a porn star. It manifests itself in that way. Same thing with guys with pornography. It's a hard issue. It's God getting hold of your heart for sure. I was, this is such a great question. Give us the final thoughts here. Walk us through that final thoughts. Final thoughts. um, Breakthrough. I, I listened to a gentleman who does the John School in Minnesota, and he said that he went. They went from a message of shame, shame the Johns, to heal, heal. the brokenness. And yeah. he said it shifted everything. And for me, running a brothel, I would tell the girls, "Don't." They were like, "These guys can't afford this." He's a school teacher. He's been here twice. I said, "You can never afford addiction. You can't afford brokenness. Mm. You can't afford the arsenic of let's spice things up in our marriage. You can't afford to introduce any of this perversion. What is done in secret will be shot from the rooftops. So there is, um, I, I, 
love rapists. I could talk to a room full of porn addicts all day. I could talk to <laughs> sex buyers all day. Um, but give me family policymakers, I'll turn tables. But I think that they are just as, I look at men as broken as I did. And right. what was so great about my recovery process is there were so many men in the, like the families brought their kids and their, their husbands around us. And that we saw like, they fell, men fell for exploitation as bad as we did. They fell for the lies just as much as we did. And that there are good men and they must secure their minds as hard and as fast as we must secure our minds on the latter part. And so I, I have such a huge heart for men and it is brokenness and it is intimacy with God and it's intimacy with, let's go back to the, the mom and the dad issues of intimacy where it first started and then we can go from there. But God wants to heal. He is faithful to heal, but we must seek out our healing like the woman with the issue of blood. We have to be so desperate. And it reminds me of my time leaving the industry twice, leaving Hollywood and then leaving Colorado. There was a desperation that this is not right. I don't want this. And I was repulsed by the sickness that made me sick, that I wanted God like my next breath. And that is what it takes to recover. Yeah. Yeah. Great words. Final thoughts, Pastor H, before we wrap it up. I'm excited for Jessica to be here. And I just appreciate you sharing your heart today. This has been an amazing podcast. And I hope that people did get to hang with us and listen to the whole thing and just appreciate your, your heart. And I'm excited for her to be at the conference and how many girls are going to be able, and boys, are going to be able to minister. So please check it out, nopricetechconference.com. We're looking forward to having you there as our special guest, as well as Jessica. Powerful story. Thank you for joining us. We will talk to you next time. 